Cool. So yeah, so welcome back to The 1%. Uh, thanks for joining us today, whether it's on YouTube or the, the different podcast platforms. Uh, today, we've got like a really cool guest who's joining Rory and I. His name is Justin. Uh, he is a business science graduate from UCT who uh, specialized in investment and is now doing his accounting articles. So he's come on the podcast to join us and just to, I guess, uh, help us and guide us through, through this conversation where we're going to be talking about investing. So yeah, Justin, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, 100%. So I wanted to start off by just uh, chatting a bit about personal finance, maybe getting getting some tips from you guys just on, on personal finance. Maybe I'll start with you, Rory. Like, do you have any advice that you would have given to yourself maybe at like age 16, 17, 18 on, on personal mm-hmm. finance and managing your money? What, what, what would your advice be? I think first and foremost, just don't buy dumb shit. I think that's, um, you know, the top of the list there. But um, you know what, I think, and I I'm, you know, didn't get a chance to say it, but um, thanks so much to Justin for coming on. You know, it's so nice to have someone who we can bounce these ideas off, right? Um, and I'm in the same boats as you, Good. You know, we've, we've started off, not, not a background in finance, but kind of working our way up and, you know, learning as we go. So I'd say the best advice I'd give to myself at that age is, is just learn, you know, learn the basics, learn the fundamentals, um, you know, don't look for the, the quick fixes and the get rich quick schemes, just really build a fundamental understanding of how money works and the psychology behind money too, you know, the, the mindset that, that you need to have going into it. So, yeah, I think that would be the, the foundational place that I would start. So, like talking about some of those fundamentals and stuff, maybe over to you, Justin, like what would you say, I guess, are your fundamentals, like your principles of, of managing your own money that you would, you would pass on to someone else? So, uh, like, just to be a bit controversial and almost go against what, what Rory was saying is that I actually think, like, um, to make some of those, those mistakes, uh, like spending mistakes early on in your, your life isn't a bad thing. So, you, you know, you, you, you try yeah. to be a bit materialistic or whatever and you buy something and you realize that, you know, like, that's, that's not really going to give you any like, gratitude or, or gratification, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, um, once you learn that quickly, you realize, like, you know, what, what is your goal when you do start investing or start saving per se? And you realize that, you know, if I, if I, from, as, a, as you say, from a young age, like 18, 19, 20, we want to give ourselves this advice. It's like, not putting money away. You know, you, you're putting money away because you want to have like a happy life with your family, go on like holidays together, vacations, have a nice house, you know, schooling, education, those important things. So I think once you realize like that, that should be your goal with uh, investing and saving and, and working towards I think becomes quite a like important building block I know we get caught up in in kind of like social media lifestyle like you know keeping up with the Joneses so to speak so I think once you realize that you know maybe that guy next to you who's wearing the latest pair of shoes or the nicest watch you know maybe he's not actually as cool as you think he, as he thinks he is mm-hmm. kind of like what I would say about it yeah, and I like your point about like sometimes you have to go through those things first to like actually learn them while you're young. Um, so, but have you always been like pretty good at saving and putting away money? Like you just said, putting away money for your family. Like I don't know about you or you, or you but I definitely wasn't thinking about like my family and stuff like previously. Like when I was 19, 20, 21, I was just living like month to month, spending on like in gym memberships, protein supplements. <laughs> Supplements. I had no idea about like thinking long term and stuff. So, have you always been good at saving and thinking long term? Yeah, it's not not necessarily. I haven't always been good at it. Like I, I, like as I said, like I've made these mistakes in my bunker cycle. So there was this, like there's been stages where I, I was just I just came out of school and I um, actually like managed to get a contract uh, for with Western Province for rugby and I started getting a bit of money and I was like d- disciplined and I put that away and I realized like you know make 
make essentially like your money work for you in the long term and then you know uh, varsity came about and, and I was like it'll be quite cool just to like you know spend a bit of money here and there and so I made those mistakes so I never you know I can't say I always had that bigger picture thinking but then with having made like you know like those small mistakes I, I ironed out like those kind of like kinks and realized that I mean I speak about like saving up for family but I mean we are, I am getting close to that age now where you've got to start thinking about you know what is important in life and like you know you don't want to Sit, uh, sit around and, and like not be able to essentially like provide like a, a really nice life, quality of life for, for your family or whatever you know your goals are like whether it be if you, if you, if you if that's not what your idea of, of, of like happiness is then maybe you want to travel the world and you know you're going to have to need like money to do that so, so, so I think I've never I've nev- not always had that bigger picture thinking but I think like making those mistakes early on and like realizing what was important from an early age was kind of what set me on that path I'd say Hundred percent. And on your side, Rory, like uh, I guess, like what are some of the lessons you've learned, like from you know the last four years, you know, going from twenty one up to now, we're at like twenty five, twenty six. What what are some of the key things you've learned? Yeah, well, um, firstly, I think that's such a great point that Justin made, and I actually agree with that. You know, that sometimes you need to make those mistakes. You know, a lot of the time you need to make those mistakes. Um, and you know, rather have it happen, you know, now when you're a little bit younger. Then later on, you know, we've got time on our side um, and, you know, in most cases, you know, at, at this age, you're not at your financial peak. So rather make those mistakes now. Um, but yeah, look, I think between 21 and 25, it wasn't really, I've always been really good with saving money, but not very good with the investment of that money, if that makes sense. Um, and again, it, 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 this comes down to what Justin was saying about your idea of happiness and gratitude, you know, and this way I think it comes to your values because whatever your values are, those are what's going to determine how you spend your money. So for example, when I was 21 and I was earning some money, you know, for me to go spend that on chicken breasts and supplements was perfectly fine, right? That brought me happiness because that was my primary value. That's what I cared about at that stage. But as Justin says, you know, as you grow, as you get older, you start to, your values start to shift. Your idea of what happiness and success is starts to shift. Um, And I think for me, the biggest shift has been that, you know, just changing my targets, understanding what I want for the future. That was very, that's what really got me started on the years of actually taking money seriously. So I've never really been one to waste money, but really actually thinking, how do I want to save money? How do I want to invest it? And what is my actual purpose behind it? So I think just that fundamental understanding, that has been the shift for me. It's those shift in values. 100%. And so obviously, like, um, I got a chance to, to work with Warren Ingram, uh, who's like quite a well-known sort of financial plan and, and author in South Africa. And, and just like listening to the content that, that they say while I was editing it, they were saying a lot about like these three steps and uh, to achieving financial freedom over a long-term sort of plan. And, and the three steps are quite simple. It's like uh, you start off by getting out of debt. That's the most important thing. Like debt will eat up your money faster than you'll make money off any investments and stuff. So especially like short-term debt, like credit cards, uh, like clothing accounts, these type of debts that like is usually quite common for younger people. So get out of debt as soon as you can. That's the first step. Um, the second step is to build up like an emergency fund. So that's to like look at your, your monthly expenses and be like, okay, whatever it is. Like let's say I'm living off 25 grand a month. Then you multiply that out by three or four months and you try to save that up. So that if your car breaks down, if you need to replace like your stove or if any like shit happens, uh, you can take money from that emergency fund and cover it. Like you don't have to take out a loan to cover up these, these random expenses. Yeah. So get out of debt, 
build up an emergency fund. And then the third one, and the one that I want to really chat about with you guys now is like then building up an investment portfolio. So yeah. once you've paid off your debts, you're debt free, you've now built up an emergency fund that's topped up and now you've still got extra savings once you've done that. Where do you put that and what do you look into? Uh, Justin, we were chatting a little bit before this about easy equities, ETFs, individual stocks. Um, what, are, what, what would your thinking be in terms of building like a, a, a portfolio that you could live off one day? Yeah, so um, just touching on what Rory said is that he's been, you know, he's been good with the saving side of things, but the investing side's a bit harder. And I think a lot of people like kind of have that issue where they, they view, you know, investing as kind of like a scary or, or like foreign kind of like fields. Um, but I think that investing is actually has become like, has become quite simple. And it's, um, you know, and I, I say that like, because I pay respect to a lot of people that like paved the way that they've made it like retail investors kind of yeah, able to act in the market as, as easily as, as like any asset manager. So just speaking as, yeah, as you mentioned, like an easy equities account, if you, you know, there's, there's things like index funds or ETFs that, that kind of track the market. And, and one that, that, that's often mentioned is like the S&P 500, which is obviously, as people know, like the 500 biggest companies in, in the US, which is you know, quite a good indicator of, of like the US economy. Um, so, so yeah, if you if you if you put like an X amount of money in in, in the S and P 500 a month or whatever the case is, if you have a lump sum, uh, like the general performance of the S and P 500 has been you know over like a historical performance has been like 10% per year, which is you know which is pretty decent. Um, and obviously there's been years like recently where the U S has been in a huge bull run, which uh, has returned a lot more. So I think yeah, like in terms of once you you know you've got that emergency fund both fund both up. You have the opportunity to invest. Then you should start looking at, at at some of these ETFs because, yeah, I mean, investing is is difficult at the best of times in the in the sense of when you start just try pick stocks and and that type of thing. That's where it starts to get a bit messy because, um, like I'm not sure, yeah, if if you know if they they'll even release data on it. But if you had to look at like some of the big big asset managers, I think yeah, they haven't been performing well because they're active investors and they have to try you know and pick a few stocks and make their whole, like, a whole share portfolio up for their clients. Whereas if you're, if you're, as you said, like a retail investor, someone who's every man like on the street and you just decide to put into an ETF, there's, there's, a, there's a variety of ones. Like your top 40 would be the African one, which is obviously the, the, the top 40 companies. But, you know, I mean, a, a much safer bet would be to you know, bet on essentially the US economy and, and, and stick some money in. So I think that would be quite a good starting point if you do have a bit of money, you know, or like something like the MSCI world, which tracks basically... You know, it's 64% of it is made up of the S&P 500. And then the rest is with like emerging markets, China, Asia, South Africa's a small like 1% of that index. But yeah, so um, that's, I mean, that's a very good starting point, I'd say. Yeah, Rory, what, would you agree with me on that? 100% man and like to be honest like everything you say now it's so good to to have feedback from someone you know who's a, who's a professional in the field because you know that that's kind of where I started as well like you said um, you hit the nail on the head savings was cool but to get into investing was now this you know this whole process so like I took courses on it and you know trying to figure out how to pick stocks and you know how to get this all right and I was thinking about it and, you know and reading other people's results and I was like you know the chances of me of studying for two months picking a winning stock I mean it's, it's basically zero right um, and I, I read a book um, recently, I don't know if you've heard of it, it's called Unshakable by Tony Robbins. And 
in that book, he is so big on that. And it, it's all about the index funds. And he says, you know, I mean, again, I don't know how accurate it is, but 98% of the active fund managers are not returning as much as your index fund. So we are overpaying because we're paying now fees for the active managers, but we're not getting the same return. So like you say, you invest in a low cost index fund, you're getting charged maybe half a percent and, you know, you're getting your 10%, which is when you compound it, so, so, so vital. So man, it's actually so good to to hear that reaffirmed. So thank you for that. Um, and yeah, so I, look, I think it's the best place to go. Look, and I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it more. There's lots of other avenues. And I mean, picking stocks is something I'd like to do in my future, but I'd say as a foundational element, that's definitely where my focus is as well. It's just getting in the money into the index funds, putting it away consistently and kind of building that up. Um, and I agree completely with, you know, using the US stock market because what's also quite nice, I mean, I don't know, a lot of my clients are international. So I've got the benefits of, you know, getting paid in dollars, waiting on the exchange rate and then bringing it over. So I feel like that added benefit is also there, you know, so you can kind of time that one too. So yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. And, you know, you know, um, when there's things going on here and whatnot in the economy, at least over there, you know, generally it's more stable. I don't know. That's just a thumb suck, but I just feel safer. If that makes sense. I feel safer having more money there in the dollar, getting that index fund. And so, yeah, man, to be honest, I've actually got nothing to add. I mean, you literally affirmed everything I was going to say. So thank you. I just want to just add a quick proviso there before um, I get, I get roasted by my friend. So I'm not, a, I'm not a yeah. professional in, in investing, whatever. It's just, so I, I studied the business science finance with accounting, so it's like a double major. So, um, mm-hmm. so my, my, one of my majors was finance, not necessarily completely focused on investing. So just be, before people come down on me and say, oh, what, yeah. what claims are these? <laughs> no, nah, I hear you, man. That's perfect. But thank you for sharing the knowledge anyway. It's just so good to yeah. bounce these kind of ideas about people who yeah, are involved. No, completely agree yeah, with exactly what you're saying. It seems like we're definitely on the same wavelength with that. Mm-hmm. and it's good to get that information what do you think about that get like in terms of um like looking at the u.s stock market as well and actually investing internationally yeah so it's actually cool yeah. that that book um because that's also where i read that stack where it was like um nice. most active fund managers or whatever it is they don't actually outperform the market itself but it, i think the key thing there is over a long period of time so like they might yes. have incredible years where they beat you know they beat the average return of the market so what justin said the s p 500 um but over like a 10-year period, a 15-year period, uh, the chances of them actually beating the, the market itself is very low and money is getting by fees. So I think um, that also relates to what Justin was saying of how easy it is these days for someone like the average person who you know didn't study finance to just go and download an app like Easy Equity here or I guess in the States, they have like Robinhood, that kind of thing. The average person is much easier to, to get educated on it and to buy these indexes. Um, one of the things that I think that's that's quite interesting. So you brought up the JSC uh, top 40. So a lot of people think that like investing in the JSC top 40 is the same as investing in South Africa's economy. But uh, I think there is a bit of a difference there because a lot of the companies that operate in South Africa, the big companies like NASPAPS, these huge conglomerates, they actually earn a lot of money overseas. So like someone mm. like NASPAPS is listed on the JSC, but they own you know a big portion in a company like Tencent, which is heavily involved in China. So uh, you can still involve. Uh, you, you can still invest in in JSC top forty companies, uh, even if South Africa's economy is getting a little bit hammered or it's not growing. It doesn't mean that your your companies in the JSC um, can't grow. And it's kind of the same with the S and P five hundred. Like a lot of the companies there, even if the US economy is taking a bit of strain, like those companies are like Facebook, Google, Tesla. They operate globally. So, um, so if you are looking at like individual stocks, you want to try to find stocks and companies that are 
uh, growing really quickly, I guess. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's a good point good about point. the JSC as well. I didn't think about it in, in that light. Yeah, I, I yeah, think the, the thing about um, like with just sorry to interrupt you there with the JSE top forty is that um, like I'm not sure what the exact you know percentage will be now, but I, I know like one or two years ago, Naspers was making up like fifteen percent of the weighting of that JSE top forty uh, index. So so I mean like that the performance was was kind of uh, like reliant in a, in a big way on on Naspers' performance. So. Yeah, so and Aspis has been performing so well over the, over the years. So and yeah, so essentially, like that's kind of carried. I mean, so Af like the, the South African market has been relatively flat this year. It's been it's actually been performing quite well, but it's been relatively flat over like the past five years. And if it wasn't for Aspis, it would have been you know like deeply in the red. So yeah, so that that is the one thing that like you have to, when you do look at investing, you must also try to look at like for an example, like concentration of certain companies. So. You know, like in the S&P 500 index, because there's 500 companies, I think, you know, Facebook and, and Amazon and, and Alphabet, whatever, will make up, you know, like one or 2% of the index, which is, you know, that's, that's fine. Then if Facebook, you know, drops by quite a lot, you, you, you're still spreading out your, your risk quite a lot. But like, as I was saying, a company like Naspers, which is 15% of an index, you know, then Naspers does quite bad, like, yeah, does badly, then the whole index will be pulled down. So yeah, that's just like one thing to look at when you do invest in South Africa is like, go look at, fact sheet and see how much you know it's, it's, they'll show you the top 10 holdings in the in in the fund um and you can just see okay cool like if i invest in as i said like s&p 500 will say, show that the top 10 holdings are you know facebook amazon uh, alphabet or whatever and they'll show like okay facebook's weighted two percent of the index amazon's like one percent whatever and then and then, and then as, you, as I said, you can go look at like the JSC top 40 and then you'll see, okay, NASPAS is however, like what it's waiting is. So that's like one thing to just look at that, like managing your risk when you do invest in these, in these index funds. And, and if I take it like uh, kind of high level to someone who's maybe listening and they're like, what, like, what is the point of investing? Like I can rather just save my money and I've built up a savings account. Like uh, maybe they don't understand, you know, like how inflation works and how savings uh, doesn't really like your money gets eaten away by inflation over time. How, how would you explain like the sort of overall concept of investing, like putting your money in a company so you can grow somewhere else over time? Like, how would you explain that? Yeah, so I mean, it's it's basically like the fact that you know, you, when you when you put a money in a savings account, you get the the sense of like surety that okay, you'll get whatever percentage is it'll probably you know like six five, six percent, even if that, um, a year, which, um, yeah, I mean, after inflation is, is, is not, no real return, essentially. So your, your money isn't growing. Whereas if you invest in, in, in shares or stocks, or whatever, um, historically, obviously, the equity market has, has, has returned because there's a risk element to it, has returned a higher return than, than saving your money, investing in a bank. So, you know, that, that extra return you'll get obviously then uh, equates to being a real return. So your money grows over time. Um, and so, yeah, so what you have in a year's time, including the inflation, you'll still have made money on that. So that's essentially like the reason why people would want to invest as opposed to just save. But, you know, then that's as, as like a disclaimer in, in any financial podcast is like, you know, historical data isn't an indication of like future performance. So, so, um, you know, there the are people that are extremely risk averse who then will say, you know what, if, especially it, it's a lot about like your makeup, if you know, if you're in a pensioner and you have your money in the bank and you're earning your 5%, that's fine. It's a low amount, but it's fine because it's, 
what you need every month and you know you, you're not working you're sitting at home whatever the case is but if you're a youngster and you and you you know or whatever the makeup is or you you know middle age and you you're like okay i want to actually just make a little bit of money and you put it away in, in, in shares then you are going to get a higher return yeah hopefully or whatever and, and like rory from your side like maybe you can speak on like uh how important it is to because I guess like when you're younger, like you, you kind of like, well, I'll do this one day, you know, I'll do this when I get to 30, I'll open my investment accounts and stuff. But maybe speaking on like a sort of a habits perspective, like why is it important to try to at least learn while you're young and try to create the habits of investing and saving while you're younger? Like how does that play, play out over time? Well, I think it's the same concept um, as every other area in life, right? Um, the compound effect, you know, we, we obviously know about it in, in finance. So obviously, again, for, for anyone who's, you know, just a global view of finance, that compound effect, you know, you put 10 Rand away, you're getting 10% on 10 Rand, and then you're getting 10% on 110 Rand, if my maths is good. But you get the point, right? So it's that compound effect. So the, the, the sooner you start, the better. You know, the same goes with your fitness, the same goes with your mindset, the same goes with your relationships. You know, it's, it's that daily deposit almost. You know, you, you're consistently putting that amount in and it's not the amount that you're adding that's stacking up. It's the interest and the compound on top of that. So, um, again, I read this study and I, I'm, I can't remember the exact figures, but there is a massive difference. I mean, if you just start investing, you know, even a year, two, three years earlier, the effect that that has on your retirement lump sum at the end is astronomical. So, you know, starting earlier, getting that compound effect in um, and just building the habits of, of, of putting money away to invest. I think that that's the, one of the most important things. You know, I think it's the foundation. Um, so the way I did it, and I think this is what really served me well, is something so small, right? When I first got my first bank account, I set up a savings account and I put a debit order on for, I think, 200 Rand or whatever it was. And that debit order goes off every single month still to this day. And I think when you get into the habit of that, you learn to live within the finances that you have, right? And, and I read this somewhere as well. The people that are wealthy, the people that become financially successful, they invest first, then they pay their expenses, and then they go on to buy the things that they want. So I think building the mindset and the habit of making sure that your investments come first is crucial. And I mean, obviously, that's going to look very different at whatever age of life you're at. Like Justin was saying, right, that's very, very dependent on your age. If you are 21 and you live at home and you've got no expenses and you're making an income, then, you know, 15, 20% try to put it away. But it's a very different story if you're approaching retirement um, and, you know, you don't have that many funds. But I think from a foundational level, it's building the habits and that habit is going to compound. It's the same thing, right? You work out once a week, you're going to get a certain result. You do it three times a week. It's going to be way bigger. You start a year earlier and, and it's really going to serve you in the long run. So I think just consistency, discipline, and just learning to live within the money you have left instead of trying to invest the money you have left, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. Like I, I actually heard this thing that Warren said once when he's like, he knows a lot of people who earn crazy high income, but they're not wealthy because their expenses are just as high. Yes. So they never save any of it. It never exactly. It's like it just comes in and goes out and they live this cool lifestyle, but they have no real like wealth to lean back on. And when I heard that, I was like, that's, that's quite crazy. Like uh, if you don't like nip it in the bud while you're younger as well, like can you imagine how hard it's going to be when you... I think a prime example of that is if you look at, you know, professional sportsmen, especially like Americans, like you know, whether it be mm -hmm. basketball or NFL or whatever the case is, American football. Um, yeah, like those guys earn crazy salaries and... You know, then they get caught up in that lifestyle and the expenses, you know, 
follow their, their lifestyle and, and as, as much as they earn, they want to spend. And then the careers are obviously limited. And then afterwards, becomes, you know, it becomes, becomes a financial disaster. So, yeah, kind of like that's Tyson as well. Hey, like, didn't, he was one of the ones who earned like a huge amount of money and then like eventually ran out of everything. Yes, 100%. And I think, you know, the um, just to, to add in there, because I think it's so important, because what, what you said now is the most important thing. And it's one of the things that I'm so grateful I learned from my parents. And again, you know, like something like this, for example, for me personally, came naturally because my parents taught it to me. Um, but, you know, we don't get taught this stuff in school. Um, and, you know, if you grow up in a family who don't have that knowledge, you're not going to get it. And that's that making money and becoming wealthy are two very different skills. Right there, you can make, like you said, you can make a lot of money. And I know people that make a hell of a lot of money, but there's never money left at the end of the month, right? And they, that net worth isn't increasing. So managing money and investing is a whole different skill. I feel like people get caught in the trap of thinking that if they earn a lot of money, that they can earn their way to financial freedom, which obviously is a factor, but it's it's building those things up in the long term and investing that money that counts, right? It's the same thing as, you know, you can come and you can exercise for eight hours today and you can push yourself harder than anyone for eight hours of today. But if you don't do anything for the rest of the year, it's not really going to make a difference, right? You're not going to get fitter. And it's the same thing here, right? These people, like, like Justin said, you know, these, these, um, these sportsmen from America, you see it with these rappers all the time as well. And I think what happens is once you start living a lifestyle, it's very hard to regress, right? It's like, it's very, very hard, you know, to, to take a look at your lifestyle and say, look, I need a downsize. But I mean, if you just stay at a level that you're happy with and invest upwards and then wait to kind of take your step up, that's much easier. Stepping back is always way harder than stepping up. So I don't know if uh, from either of your guys' side, I mean, if, if you know or if you've had these struggles with yourself, I know I've seen a lot of people that go through it. But I mean, what is the biggest financial struggles that, that you guys see? Yeah, so I think um, like the biggest thing that I see, um, and you know, it's, it's, it's ubiquitous, it happens, like we see it everywhere, is that people are um, very focused on lifestyle and not so much on like yeah, their future, their future wealth, like generating kind of like a, a sustainable lifestyle. So, you know, as soon as, as they start earning this, like their first salary, then they want to, you know, get a car on finance. They want to you know, start mortgaging a house. They want all these things. And they essentially get caught in that, like that like dead cycle or that trap where, you know, you're a hamster on the wheel and you forever, like, you know, you're looking for that next like pay increase or, you know, whatever it is and, and, and kind of like what you say where you, you people think they can like earn themselves out of out of the situation or whatever the case is like i think you know that's like a very dangerous trap to get into as you know we, we see it with, with like so many people where if they if they can't stop working for a month whatever like if, if the expenses had to you know to see the expenses add up you know astronomically so i think yeah like those bad money habits of you know, trying to like take things like buy cars on finance, buy house, like mortgage houses where like, they're too expensive and then, you know, credit cards, things like that, where you're starting to kind of like over leverage your lifestyle. It becomes very dangerous and it becomes like a trap and it's, it's extremely hard once you start to ever get out of that. So I think like, as you said, from like an early, an early age where you maybe don't have as many expenses and you learn like those money habits that, you know, you, may, you don't need, you don't need the latest car. You don't need like the latest gadget, whatever the case is. And, and you start you know, putting that money away, um, investing and things like that. Then, 
you know, you'll set yourself up for, it's like, that's an easy way to set yourself up for success in the future. And, and it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's essentially as like, as, as much as I don't want to say this word, it's like foolproof in a sense, but, you know, start get developing bad money habits and you're going to have a very stressful and, and difficult career ahead of you. Yeah. Straight. Um, I guess the, the next thing I wanted to, to bring up, and I guess this is like the kind of the crazy exciting part of, of this discussion is like talking about cryptocurrency, Dogecoin, Reddit, GameStop, Stonks, like, Maybe I'll start this by saying like, Rory, like you actually messaged me about Bitcoin the other day and you were saying like, you should put a bit of money into Bitcoin. And I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. At the time I was like, I have got savings, but I'm kind of keeping in the business for things that I need to cover. Mm-hmm. And then Bitcoin just went on like a tear, bro. And I just saw it like literally went crazy. And I, I was actually thinking like, it would have been cool if I'd, if I'd actually bought some. So maybe you start off mm-hmm. Rory, just by saying like what your experience is with buying some Bitcoin. Maybe you share like some honest feedback. And then after that, Justin, you can, you can add your oh. Bitcoin. Yeah, man, it's, it's perfect that I'm going before Justin because I need to hear what he has to say. So when it comes to Bitcoin, <laughs> right, Bitcoin, Bitcoin is one of those friends, you know, that, that was cool to me sometimes and they're not so cool the other times, right? But what happens with Bitcoin, right? So to be honest, Bitcoin was my first investment, right? I, the first time I invested, well, second, really, I put money into a fixed deposit. Um, I was earning, I think, six, six and a half, seven percent. And then a friend of mine came along and said, hey, listen, why don't you buy some Bitcoin, right? So First off, I think Bitcoin is great, right? Personally, again, not from a professional point of view, but I think, you know, it's going to grow in the future. So holding and owning Bitcoin is such an awesome thing, right? Because I think long-term, it, it's it's going to be growing. So I've kind of shifted my approach. When I got into Bitcoin, I was looking for quick money, right? Like we were saying earlier, I, I didn't have those fundamentals in place. I was like, okay, this thing is going up. I want to make a quick money cash and I want to pull out. So since then, I think I've changed my approach to look at it as more of a value kind of growth, right? So that it's going to actually, it's, it's more of an investment I want to leave for a couple of years and, you know, watch what it does. But one very important thing about that, and as I'm happy you brought this up, is that greed can hit you very quickly and very easily. I've never considered myself a greedy person. I don't consider myself a greedy person. But when it came to investing in Bitcoin and a couple of those schemes, I got greedy and I got bitten really, really hard. So it's something I want to share because I think it's really important, right? So anyways, having that Bitcoin, you know, the price was going up and it was continuing to move. Then I kind of got this company who said, listen, we invest your Bitcoin for you. And not only do you get the growth of Bitcoin, but you also get the return we give you from trading with it, right? So this company seems super legit. Everything was great. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's Mirror Trading International. Um, I'm cool to put it out there, a bunch of twats. And anyway, what happened was this guy, you know, fully, fully great setup, you know, everything was good, very professional. And essentially this guy ended up buggering off with 23,000 Bitcoin. So the story from that and the lesson I really want to get across there is that, you know, all these things are great and it's good to find things with good returns, but greed can hit you when you don't even know that that's what it is. I mean, I didn't think I was greedy. I thought I was just making a good call. Um, but, you know, the expectation of getting 10% a month every month on top of a growing Bitcoin is just unrealistic. So when it comes to that, you know, like Justin was saying at the beginning of the session, um, you know, rather learn these lessons young. So I was, you know, I would rather lose the amount of money I lost now than wait 15 years and then lose it then. So, yeah, when it comes to Bitcoin, I think it's great. I think it's a long-term hold as opposed to a short-term gain. And just buy Bitcoin, keep it to yourself and don't invest it with any of those schemes. <laughs> so that is my take and my experience on the Bitcoin. Interesting. 
What are your thoughts outside, Justin, on, on Bitcoin? Have you, do you own any Bitcoin? Has anyone tried to convince you to buy some? What are your, what are your thoughts? No, so actually, um, I don't have, I don't own any Bitcoin, but I do have like exposure to cryptos in the sense of that, that, that crypto kind of ETF that D, uh, it was called the DCX. I think it's ECX now, mm. 10, which is on uh, easy equities. But um, to show regards um, you know, to, to, to Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, is like, I think that like, you know, there's enough talk and hype about it that people know now that like cryptocurrency and like blockchain, all of, all of that technology is essentially like kind of what, you know, when the internet just came about, people were so skeptical and so against it. And, and you know, they were like slow to adapt and there were, there were winners that were, you know, the early adapters. And I think, you know, like our generation is, is, is thinking that like Bitcoin and, and, and blockchain and the cryptos are, are in that kind of category. And I think that, that, that I, like I fully agree with, with you, Rory, in a long-term view with like uh, Bitcoin, definitely. Mm-hmm. But like the one thing that, that worries me is that like, is that I, I personally like I'm, I'm an, a long-term investor when it comes to things. And, you know, people, you get traders um, who trade in stocks or whatever. And I think a lot of the, the attraction to Bitcoin has been people that are like essentially that trader's mindset where you want to make like a quick, quick buck. You know, if you're investing money, you want to, you want to make it, you're looking to get your return in a month, two weeks, a month, whatever. Um, get in, get out, that type of thing. So I think that's a bit that, that's where I get a bit worried because you know if you if the people that buy Bitcoin are you saying okay cool it's twenty thousand dollars now once it gets to sixty thousand dollars maybe I'll take some off the table or if it goes down to fifteen thousand I'll look at exiting my my position. Um, like that's what people. You know, who are investing in, in, in should be should be thinking these are like conversations or thoughts you need to have. And I know that people who are in Bitcoin aren't saying it goes up. They just like there's like that hype train and that um, FOMO hysteria. Like those you know stonks, um, stonks only go up. That type of kind of like mania that drives the price up. And that's why that's why I'm a bit hesitant to get involved directly because I know then like that's where people get burned. Um, and so yeah, so that like. I definitely do believe in in Bitcoin and, and cryptos uh, in the long run. I think those are, they definitely, you know, they they here to stay and they they're going to like essentially shape the future in, in in a lot of ways, whether it be you know for payments or or like decentralizing kind of you know banks power whatever the case is. But I do think that they there's a big argument for 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 them. But yeah, just like in terms of investing, it's difficult to. To have a, have like an opinion when when there's so much like hysteria and and you know mania around like Bitcoin and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it's, I agree with both you guys on that long term thing. Like it's, I mean, like if you look forward into the future, like it obviously makes sense that something like it or either it or something like it will exist and it has a you know a clear place in society. But it's just hard to know like if. Bitcoin would be the one or if another one's going to come up, like if you look at like Dogecoin, which is like a meme, a meme coin, right? Basically. And then it just gets pushed by the right people on the right social platforms and then it takes off. Like who's to say that's something like that? <laughs> who's to say that something like that uh, or some a coin like that is not going to take over and then become like the currency. Like it's just hard to know which one is going to be, um, be the one long term. So I guess like another thing to do is just to like not put all of your money into one thing like that. Like just try to like definitely spread it out a bit, do what Justin says, buy the ETFs and the stuff that, you know, track a whole market or a whole basket of stocks, keep a bit of money in savings as well. And then take a bit of like fun, a bit of your fun money and then buy like individual yes. stocks, buy cryptocurrencies and then have your hype on that. Like check the share price every day, five times a day 
tell your friends about yes. it. Like just make sure you don't put all your cash into that, I guess. <laughs> no, I think that's, and that's, uh, and the way you said that, to be honest, I, I don't know what Justin thinks, but I mean, the, that is exactly how I kind of look at my portfolio and my allocation of funds. I, I want that exact same structure. You know, you, you want the stuff that's, for example, even something like a fixed deposit, you know, I mean, yes, you're not going to get great, the greatest return, but I think it, it serves a, a purpose and it serves a place in your portfolio, you know, having one there that's your kind of safety net, your, your, your one that's kind of, you know, just in the background, not making, not your flashy one, just the solid work workhorse, right? That's just going to get things done without any risk, doing your stocks, having your crypto, and then, you know, having that money where you, you have a bit of fun with it, you know, you know, 5%, 2%, whatever you're willing to give and, you know, bets on it. And again, not gambling, not trading with it, but taking those higher risks. So I hear a lot of people talking about, you know, are they a moderate, moderately aggressive or conservative and personally i think we need to have like a pretty fair balance over that range you know again depending on your circumstances and your tolerance but i think we need to play in all of those areas i think what's going to differ is how much concentration we put in based on what we're personally willing willing to risk so i like that you brought that up justin what do you think about like your balance of the portfolio yeah so like as you say um i think it does it does differ depending on who you are but I definitely think yeah, it's important to, you know, you know, to have some either money in savings or a fixed deposit or whatever, um, because a lot of like a lot of times opportunities do arise. So you know, if 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 the stock, if, if for an example the stock market crashes, you know, that people get into hysteria and want to sell and things like that. But if if, you, if you, you're a rational investor, you're thinking of it like, okay, cool, this is like going to the shops and seeing something's on sale. So now instead yes. of yeah, instead of like buying it at at, at its peak at, at its most expensive, you, you you know you're getting it at a discount. Then now you can start allocating a bit of your funds back into 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 the shares at at, at half the price, whatever the case is, and and things like that. So with regards to like the balance of a portfolio, I think it, it it's it's quite it's quite difficult to you know to give a an exact answer. But I think that yeah, like depending on you, you should you should just try. I would like, I'm a bit more risk averse. So I almost want to put like 60% of my money in equities and then I'll mm-hmm. keep, you know, maybe 20% in, yeah, in kind of, in kind of um, bonds or fixed, fixed income. And then, you know, you get 20%, which is just like something to like wiggle around with and, you know, yes. opportunities and, and like kind of like savings accounts, like liquid money kind of cash, mm-hmm. so to speak. So yeah, I don't know. That's not, not a great answer, but I think it does depend on kind of like your your like preference for for risk and like opportunity and what you think you're gonna mm-hmm. make the best use out of that money with. Exactly, like you said, it fully depends on your situation, right? And like, I, and I know what you mean. That's why it's a challenging answer because you, you can only take it from a personal point of view, right? And from from the view of whoever's actually doing the investing. And and I like what you said about you know going into the shops and seeing that. Um, Tony Robbins had a great quote on that as well. He said, you know, if you go into the shop and you want to buy a Porsche and it's two hundred thousand dollars, you go back tomorrow, it's one hundred and fifty thousand, and you don't buy it, you know, you're, you're an idiot. So, <laughs> looking at that long term growth. I think that is such an important one. And I know I don't want to get out of the scope of what we're doing. There's so much to chat about, but that I believe is, is very important as well. And it kind of links to what you were saying about this, you know, this hysteria, like you were saying about, you know, this whole Reddit thing and the crypto, all these hysterical things. I feel like it goes the other way as well, right? People get into the stock market, for example, like you say, it crashes, they freak out, they pull out at a loss, but 
you know, if, if you look at, at the history of it, especially in it, well, talking about America, you know, in the S&P 500, for example, it always corrects. The market always comes back up eventually. But it's the people who buy high and then sell low because of that hysteria. I think that hits people really, really hard. Yeah, that's such a good point. Like just being able to control your own reactions so you don't buy into the hype because it's getting harder and harder. Like these days, the social media and stuff, like you can't go on Instagram or Facebook, whatever it is, and not see like all the hype about, you know, GameStop and Reddit and Dogecoin and Bitcoin and stuff. So it's, it's getting harder and harder. And then the thing is like it creates this mass movement where everyone buys into something and then the share price does grow. So they're not wrong. Like yeah. the actual stock or the price of the coin, you know, spikes. Um, but I'd be, I'd be very curious to know like what the super like experienced investors and like level-headed like hedge fund managers, what, what they've been doing over the last like year or two years when, when all these yeah, other things are going crazy. They must be hating what's going on at the moment. Yeah, I'd be curious <laughs> to know like, what they're doing and, and, and how they're making money off of it and like, what, you know, what moves they're making. Like, um, you guys have obviously got like years and years of experience. So they're probably like benefiting off everyone's like hysteria or maybe they're getting squashed like because they're short game stock and then it, or game stuff and then it like uh, shoots up i'd be curious to know what's what's happening behind the scenes so yeah, interesting i think like with just with like those, those investment professionals i'm sure they you know, might have a completely different philosophy but for, for me with like a lot of these things i think that you know if you miss out on like the GameStop rising 400% in a day or you miss out on like Bitcoin's rally of 20%. You know, like, like that's where people start making stupid mistakes and becoming greedy because you think like, oh, I've missed out on this opportunity. Like I have to get on, on the next one and, and I have to get on, on the next one, whatever the case is. And you start becoming like impatient. And then like you, you suddenly try, you know, irrationally just throw some money at, at like the problem and, you know, then you get burned. So I, I think like with the hysteria, it's like, it's, I think it's equally as important to like cancel that noise. Like maybe you miss out on the 400% gain or whatever, but it's also important because you, you, you miss out as well on losing that 400% the next day or whatever the case is. So, so like people just need to also like realize that, that like these opportunities that you miss sometimes like, they, you know, they, they, you, just because you miss them doesn't mean you should like try to chase the next one. You, if you miss an opportunity, you must think about like a next one rationally as, as if that first opportunity kind of wasn't there because there are always going to be so many opportunities in the market. Exactly. And I think money, money is, um, and I don't know what you think about this kid, like money is an emotional game. You know, I mean, for, for so long, I tried to, you know, you know, almost think of it non-emotionally, but it, it is emotional because like you said, you know, when the hysteria comes, what is it? it it's emotion. That's why we do it. We, we get fearful and we pull out or we get that FOMO feeling and we jump in. So I think managing your mindset and your emotions around money is absolutely crucial. Like if you can't keep a cool head, like you said, yeah, like that's why I'm wondering also how these guys, you know, these big guys are playing it because if you can't keep a cool head um, and you also can't contain your excitement, you can end up making decisions that can bite you in the long term. So what do you think about that, Gid, like in terms of like managing your, your emotions and your states around money? Yeah, I completely agree that that's what the game is. It's like managing your own fear on one side and greed on the other side. Um, and that'll be different for everyone else. Like other people will be more fearful or less fearful than you. So I think you got to have a bit of self-awareness there. And I think uh, like Justin said earlier, like just having a plan. So saying like, I'm going to buy in at 20,000, I'm going to sell out at 60,000, or I'm going to sell half of it at 40,000. Like just having some sort of like strategy that you got to keep to, um, I think is a, is a good way to go. If you just buy in and you're like going to go as if like one day you're just going to wake up and be like, yeah, today I'm going to sell or that's like your strategy and stuff. Then I think you're, you're probably in for a bit of a, a shock there. So yeah, just, I think having a plan and just sticking to the plan kind of, you know, takes emotions out of it because you, whatever happens, you've got to follow the plan, whether it 
worked out or it didn't, you know, so. Exactly. You've got, you've got that, that foundational structure. And I think that's, you know, a big, a big reason why people do get bitten so badly now, because, you know, at the end of the day, we, we don't get taught this. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I mean, you know, going to school, I, I didn't even know, you know, what, what credit was about, you know, I mean, I thought all credit was bad. So I just avoided it completely. And then you realize, Oh, I need credit to buy a house or to get a, flipping wi-fi installation installed you know like there's so many things and i think it all just comes down to having a good foundation of baseline habits and, and knowledge to kind of work with so i think you know you know like people like, like you justin you know getting into the industry you know and just just educating people about these basic fundamentals is so important because you know we don't get taught it and if we're not taught it how are we ever going to learn yeah, I think on Justin's side, like he's not really going into like giving people financial advice. He's not doing personal finance. He's more on the corporate side. So you'd work for like a sort of investment bank and stuff and advising companies with, uh, with regards to their assets and stuff. But I think like maybe you guys would all agree, like the most important thing at the end of the day is like your own sort of cash flow. Like investing is great and you can be smart with your money and it can grow and stuff. But at the end of the day, like if you don't grow your own cash flow and you don't manage your own expenses and stuff, then I think that's where the real real thing is like and the best thing you can do is kind of like if you own a small business then try and keep those expenses as low as possible and grow your income so you have a healthy cash flow or if you're going into the the corporate world whatever it is i guess the same thing work as hard as you can to be worth as much as possible to the company and then keep your expenses like uh in check because if you have cash to play with that's coming in every month then you can actually grow like an investment portfolio and stuff but you can't expect to go into a job have the same job or grow your business to a certain size and then just leave it there and then live off yeah. these investments that are all of a sudden going to take over and, and uh, feed you. I think at the end of the day, like, especially at our age, like you've got to try and focus on cash flow. Yeah, for sure. And those expenses, man, I think that the expenses is, is the biggest thing. And I think that's almost like step one, right? Like before you, like you said, before you can even think about investing, before you can even, you know, buy a stock, you need the cash to have it. And I think, you know, so many people, and I mean, this is why I think this conversation is so important because, and to take it on a basic level, because, you know, investing, as Justin said, it's tricky enough, you know, once you have the money to invest, but just helping people get to the point where they can manage their finances well enough so that they have that leftover money to then invest, you know, that that's an, a step before that needs to come. So I think there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of growth and a lot of, a lot of room for improvement in those areas for, for everyone, for myself included. And I think that needs to be more of a conversation, you know, saving money, managing money effectively, as opposed to just, you know, making the money in the cash flow, like you said. Yeah, I think Rory, just just to just to uh, jump in there, add on your points. I know um, you know you're you you heavily focus on on like the mental side of things and and mindset, and I think you know that's actually one of the big things that's missing in 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 kind of like the teachings, even whether whether it be university, you learn about you know finance and all those other things, but people don't really teach you about like the you know the mindset or the like the human. Uh, mentality with regards to, yeah. to to handling these emotions i think that's such an important point like if you if you can't you know if you, if you can't be rational and you can't handle like the hysteria of of things that are going on like you, you're going to make all these mistakes and even just with regards to 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 um handling your expenses every month like you need to get in that mindset of of you know sacrificing a little bit here for like a bigger picture or whatever the case is like it, 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 it all good good money habits all boil down to having the right mentality and, and and i think as like you've touched on a lot in this podcast i think like that's something that people don't really look at people often view these things in isolation so you know people view like personal finance as one sphere and you know all this like all the human emotions about it in, in a different light so i think 
the fact that once you start realizing that like they're so interlinked, I think that's one of like the, the biggest kind of like lessons you can learn with regards to like personal finance in a sense or you know, investing or whatever the case is. Definitely, man, one hundred percent. And you know, I think it's 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 that that combination. Um, and I mean, I heard an amazing quote. I heard, you know, success in life boils down to it's eighty percent psychology and twenty percent mechanics. And I feel like that balance is so accurate when it comes to anything, right? Because yes, you need the mechanics, right? You you need to understand how to invest, how money works, how to pick a stock, how to pick an index fund, right? Those are very important skills. But that foundation of your psychology behind it is is everything. Because without that psychology. You can have the best tools in the world, right? You can have the best information and knowledge on stocks, but if you can't manage your own emotions, it, it's, it's kind of going to be, you know, kind of null, null and void in a, in a way. So I think this combination and bringing these two spheres together, I think is, is, is perfect, man. So I agree with you on that noise. 100%. And also like just not being uh, intimidated by it. So I, I can't remember if it was you or Justin who said it in the beginning, but like it can be quite an intimidating thing. Like you hear people talking about stocks and shares and markets and indexes. And you, if, you, if you're not familiar with that, it can be quite intimidating. So um, like also I had a friend, Steve, who like I would just go to and chat to him on WhatsApp and be like, what about this? What about this? So just finding someone who like knows more, more um, about it and, and just genuinely asking them for advice and stuff. I think that can help a lot with like, you know, getting started at least. And, and then obviously from there, there's like so much content on YouTube and stuff that you can, you can watch. Like maybe not this one, maybe don't use this exact one as, as financial advice, but, but there's yeah. good stuff out there. No, for sure. And I think, you know, like, um, you know, you know, Justin was saying earlier, you know, that he's going into the corporate side and what I was meaning, you know, by, you know, sharing this information, you know, not even in a professional capacity. I think just us as, as human beings are just growing in all our areas to, to share this knowledge. Um, you know, because the thing is that the smallest little piece of advice can make such a big difference. Like, like a personal story from my side, like when I was talking about the credit, right? Like it's a known thing that you need credits in order to, you know, buy a car or buy a house or these sort of things. I didn't know that for the longest amount of time. Like it's the simplest thing. And anyone could have told me at any, but you know, I just, I didn't know that. So I completely avoided credit cards 110% because I had the mentality of all debt was bad. So that's just an example of something that's so basic and so simple, but absolutely crucial. And I think there's so many little points like that, that don't get brought up. So, you know, and, and, you know, all of us, you know, whether, whether we're, you know, this is our industry or not, I think we need to share this advice. You know, we need to share this knowledge, not in a professional capacity, but just these little fundamentals, because I think if we can all just share this with each other, we'll grow so much. Um, and on a very big kind of um, euphoric kind of concept, I think that's how we will solve a lot of the money issues our country and the world has, you know, by sharing these pieces of information and building these foundational habits up from the bottom. So, yeah, man, I think, you know, doing things like this, doing this podcast and just sharing this information is, is absolute gold. Definitely agree with that. So, so maybe we end off with, with Justin and we just say like, so on that note, like what, what would be like some of your tips, like your, maybe like your two tips for, for people who are getting into investing, you know, they're not on the same level maybe where, where you are. Like what, what would you share as we close off? Okay, cool. Thanks. Yeah, so like just touching slightly on what before, on what Rory said is that like, I, I actually completely agree. Like what, I think one of the problems is that people often view like money and finance as a bit of like a taboo topic, you know, like people don't really want to talk about it. It sounds like someone's bragging or whatever. But I, and that kind of drives a lot of like, this financial illiteracy because you know no one ever chats about it no one told you unless it's like your parents and you, that's kind of like you know there's it's, it's always going to be transparent conversations so i think this is a very important thing to like try 
get involved and get these conversations going as much as possible because it does, you can't just bury your head in the sand and then you're 30 years old and you've got debt. Now you suddenly like, oh, well, no one told me that this was a problem. But um, just to touch back onto, uh, onto Gideon's thing is that I think like, obviously, you know, so as you started off saying is that like once you get yourself out of debt, you know, you've got an emergency fund. I think once you're ready as a youngster to start investing, I think a platform like Easy Equities is, is easy enough. And, and there's a, like there's a, an Easy Equities, you can open up like a tax-free savings account and you can actually invest in, in ETFs, index funds. So, you know, um, these, like the, you, you get a, a limit of, I know Warren Ingram will have spoken about this at nauseum, is like 36,000 a year. So you put 3,000 random away a month. You know, obviously that's that's not that's not too hard of a goal you can yeah. decide a side job or something like along the way and, and try to get yourself towards this goal but you put three thousand rand away a month and 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 that will hopefully you know grow by 10 10 percent whatever the case is which is a bit better than putting it away in the in, in the, at your bank but that also isn't a bad option and then you know over time you put that money away and and it, it accumulates and compounds with you so i think as a youngster like it's not an unrealistic to tell yourself, yeah, I can put three thousand rand away every month into a taxi savings account. Um, so that's yeah, that'll be one one yeah one kind of starting point of advice. And then another thing I would think is that like I know it sounds a bit cliche and to do, but I think like just try to develop a curiosity towards you know personal finance and investing because I mean we were taught obviously I was taught one of my majors at varsity was finance, but there's a lot of people that were in my classes who. You know, this is the, that was that was a degree that wasn't what they're interested in. So, you know, yeah, they're getting an A for their test, but then in their real in their personal lives, they they're not displaying any of these kind of like good money habits or, or knowledge. So I think you kind of the only way that in, you can really develop these kind of habits and 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 success in your personal life is to become quite curious and and you know research the topic, listen to podcasts, listen to honest money, listen to the money show with Bruce Woodfield. These you know, there's um, there's great there's great content out there, and there's, it's very easy to learn. You know, it sounds intimidating and difficult, but it's it's easy to learn. I think just yeah, develop a curiosity, and you'll be fine. That's awesome. Oh, awesome! That's great advice. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's kind of weird how they don't teach us this like in school and stuff. But I guess at the end of the day, like the the responsibility is ours, like outside of our degrees or school, whatever it is, to actually you know be curious, like you said, and learn. So. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. And I'll let Rory finish off here, but from my side, thanks so much for joining us and for sharing your advice and everything. And uh, yeah, we appreciate that and, and hope to chat soon. Thanks, bro. No, that's awesome. Yeah, man. Justin, thank you so much. That was so awesome, man. That was um, so on point. I think those last two points especially. Um, and that just the one about being curious. I think that's so, so, so essential because, again, that curiosity drives you to want to learn. And I think that's the foundation that we've discussed, right, is learning and then building those habits as we go. Um, so, yeah, man, that, that's perfect. I think you absolutely crushed it there. And, yeah, guys, thank you for today. I think it was perfect. I think we touched on a lot of Thanks important so points. Yeah, no, it's awesome, man. So thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your knowledge with us. Um, yeah, man, and I think this is good. I think I, I wish I'd seen this though when I was this age, uh, when I was 16. So thank you, guys. That's been awesome.